Whoa, that was amazing. Now, it's always rather thrilling and exciting on a Wednesday to find out what's in store on JJ's Music Box. And this week is no exception. As we move from legendary female vocalist to male vocalist, we kick off with the true legend, and there he was in his full splendour, Frank Sinatra. Not only for his velvety, smooth and charismatic voice is he known, but his talent as an actor, producer and director. And I'm sure Jayang is all ready to tell us more about his life in music of good old Blue Eyes himself. And here's Jayang. Hello, Jayang. Good afternoon. Hi. Nice to see you, Sadia, once again on Wednesday. And uh, I just must mention this, that um, playing that song, New York, New York, uh, has some little bit of a poignant and special yeah. significance yeah. because of the events. But on the other side, on the brighter side, looking at the brighter side, there is nothing that can dent that sp city spirit. Absolutely. And, he, and nobody has encapsulated that better than uh, Old Blue Eyes himself. Yeah. And I, I just do remember my, uh, the reason why I chose that song is, and, uh, is that um, I do remember on my first visit to the city way back in 2003, as I was driving down um, uh, Fifth Avenue with a very dear friend, and this song was playing on the radio. And that memory of mine, uh, I cannot erase that memory mm. at all. It was so unique and special to see, to, to listen to this song and drive through, you know, one of the uh, most popular thoroughfares in that city. And it is an amazing song because, I mean, the moment, I couldn't help it. I mean, I was sitting in the studio and I listened to all sorts of music, but you, you move your arms with it, you sing with it. It just brings you in completely, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's not a song; it's an anthem. Yeah, and it's just... and it, in, it, it and it it's it's funny because, of course, he says New York. It talks about New York, but that could be equally applicable to a city like Hong Kong. I yeah. mean, the spirit, you know, never say die and everything. No, it's amazing. So, so he was an amazing man. I, I, you know, I must admit his music has been in my life for for I can't remember countless years, and I just love it. It's just he's got such a velvety voice. So, so now for you, what is Frank Sinatra then? Um, he's probably the most uh, um, out there. He's top. It's it's uh, his voice. His for me, musically speaking. It's the way that he phrases, the way that he is in complete control of his vocals, the technique, the phrasing, the expression, the control over tempo. Um, and uh, as um, one of his arrangers, Nelson Riddle, um, uh, said about him, that uh, he had a very rangy voice and his voice was built on infinite taste with an overall inflection of sex. So go figure. <laughs> That's probably the reason why, you know, he oh. used to um, have women all over yeah. him. <laughs> I can understand. He, ha he, he has an amazing voice. It is. And, used to uh, call him, they used to call him Swunatra. <laughs> and rightly so, I believe, yes. <laughs> so how did yeah. he start? When, when did it all start for him? So, um, you know, he came from a rather... Um, uh, uh, this kind of lower middle class family of immigrants, a mother of, um, of Italian immigrants. The father was a heavyweight boxer who worked as a farmer for 24 years. Mm. And uh, the mother was a very strong personality. And um, I, that is where presumably he got his self-confidence from. 
he was a high school dropout, oh, uh, right. funnily enough. And uh, he discovered his talent was accidentally discovered um, just because he used to sometimes sing. Uh, uh, he was he's quite taken by the likes of Bing Crosby. And in mm -hmm. fact, he tried to emulate Bing Crosby. Uh, it was very, very heavily influenced by Bing Crosby. And he also later on wanted to outdo Bing Crosby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, so that's where he, he was discovered. And then he, in 35... Um, he joined a group called the Hoboken Four because he was born in Hoboken in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And um, they uh, won a competition and got a six-month contract to perform live and for radio. And in '39, he recorded his first studio single, Our Love. And you know, this gentleman was not trained formally in music. Oh, right. My goodness. So he picked it up completely by ear. Right. He's obviously right. gifted. I mean, he obviously had a real sort of sense for it that it just, it's a natural talent that he had. Sure. And as we will see more so, as, as we will see later, um, that gift and the talent and that supremely trained ear uh, came into good use later on where uh, he sometimes even outclassed the best arrangers and conductors. Mm. Um, so... Um, after having recorded his first singles, um, he was discovered by Harry James, a band leader, and signed him up for two years, and there was a string of releases which did not particularly do well, and um, he thought that he was not getting enough of a, a break there, so he joined another band leader, Tommy Dorsey, and 39, and uh, uh, he recorded about 40 songs with Dorsey, and this is when he realized his potential as a recording artist and in 42 he left Dorsey he went solo and um, uh, by uh, by that time in 1941 he had already started topping the male singer charts so he must have had a good following by then quite a, a oh, yes. fan base a huge as I said uh, women loved him <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And uh, they had something uh, coined words like Sinatra mania, and his fans were known as Sinatratics. Okay. <laughs> okay. And was and, he at that time? Was he just he was just singing at the time? He wasn't doing anything else. Like you know, he's obviously been acting and things like that too. But that was just the, purely singing, was it? In the early forties, it was singing. Mm -hmm. He kind of took to movies in uh, the mid to late forties. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, and he's always going to be remembered more as a singer than an. Actor. Yeah. Remember, acting was uh, oh, by the way, kind of thing yeah. for him. And uh, so, in '43, he signs a contract with uh, Columbia, the record label, and he had many hit releases. And during World War II, he went on tour, uh, uh, entertaining soldiers um, in different countries. And then, in 1946, he cut his first solo album. 1946. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now you must you must understand that LPs had just been introduced in the 40s, long playing records. Yes. And they were mainly used for things like classical and opera. Uh -huh. But this was the first time that LP as a format had been used to release popular music. Wow. And so, and the album was aptly titled The Voice of Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. it was, and, and it became so popular that they often used to call him The Voice. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And and it uh, 
uh, uh, topped the charts, billboard charts, and sold 10, 10 million copies. And uh, But unfortunately, towards the end of the 40s, uh, his career started to slump. And uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of it was due to what was happening in his personal life. He lost his best friend, who was also his publicist, uh, uh, George Evans. And then he had, uh, I mean, he was married uh, at that time, but then he had a turbulent affair with Ava Gardner, whom he also married. Okay, okay. Uh, later. And uh, went, uh, went to Vegas, started performing there, and that is where, which gave rise to... Uh, uh, the so-called Rat Pack with him and Sammy Davis Jr. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Dean Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they became famous for many, many things. Yeah, uh, always, their <laughs> names are always linked together, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. But those shows, you know, did not particularly do well. But then came his major break with the movie From Here to Eternity in 1953. And that marks a turning point in his career. And he uh, got uh, the uh, Oscar for the Best Supporting Actor in that movie. Mm-hmm. And then there was another movie called High Society with Grace Kelly and Bing Crosby. I think I've seen it ages ago. <laughs> yeah, yes. And, you know, people flock to the cinemas just to see Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby together. Yeah, I can imagine. And in, they say in those days he was paid a quarter of a million dollars for that movie. <laughs> in those days, cool. yeah. I don't want to even sit and calculate what no, that money well, would amount to say, these days. That's a, that's a lot of money at that time, isn't it? Mm. Wow. Yeah, and that movie grossed $13 million uh, at the time, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, just so, uh, you know, uh, put, uh, putting a full stop here to his movie career, let me put, put it this way. So he did act in many movies, uh, a handful of movies in the 60s and 70s. And 1980, he delivered his last performance, which was considered a bravura performance as an embattled New York City homicide cop in the movie The First Deadly Sin. Yeah. Take that so, one I mean, out. Yeah, he took took uh, uh, took a, a bow and a very uh, notable bow with that um, from uh, an acting career. But as I said, you know, his acting career was by the by. I mean, it was, was his music that was known. the main thing. Yeah, was, mm-hmm. definitely. And then um, towards the uh, end of uh, the fifties, he signs a seven-year contract with Capitol Records, and also starts recording with Nelson Riddle, whom he considered. Um, uh, the best arranger around and I have to say that if you listen to Nelson Riddle's arrangements for anybody uh, such as especially Nat King I mean Nelson used to do work for Nat King Cole mm-hmm. and if you if you heard Nat King talented. Cole's song mm-hmm. oh, yes, absolutely and uh, even for people like Ella Fitzgerald and uh, so he uh, uh, the song I've got uh, the LP I've got a world on a string was a big big hit in uh, uh, with him in 53 and uh, uh, he continued with Riddle for quite some time. And uh, I've Got You Under My Skin in 1956, which was another hit. And it is a testament to Frank Sinatra striving for perfection. Uh, I hate to use the word perfectionist, by the way, because mm-hmm. I think it's a bit of a pejorative these days. Mm-hmm. Striving for perfection and takes 22 takes to make sure that it is absolutely oh, perfect. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, he was obviously striving for perfection there if it took 22 takes. His, his style, what was, um, you know, the music that he was producing, what kind of style of music did he have? Because I, when I think of Frank Sinatra, I think of just really beautiful, romantic 
music, really lovely stuff, you know. But in terms of the style, was he doing other things as well? I mean, obviously he's acting and he's doing all of this, but where where was his speciality? Swing and jazz, and then he later teamed up at uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim, whom we saw in one of our previous programs with Astrid Gilberto, mm, mm. um, uh, to do a lot, uh, do a few albums with uh, uh, definite Latin slant, bossa nova mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you listen to his songs, um, you'll see a lot of classical overtones and symphonic overtones because he himself was an aficionado of classical music and he wanted that in his songs mm-hmm. you know so you see many times you see uh, phrasing and uh, uh, musical passages which make references to western classical music all oh, right okay and how about yeah. his italian roots was there anything in his music uh, to to indicate that that was that was his background or anything not much, except for his accent. Yeah. <laughs> Not his Italian accent, but the New Jersey accent, which had, I'm sure, a, st- a trace of Italian in there. Uh, I, I haven't heard him. He did do a concert with Luciano Pavarotti, I think. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, other than that, no, I have not come across any of his oh, Italian that's interesting. songs. It's yeah. quite interesting to know that whether he brought that out or not. So so in majority of the time, I mean, it was really quite just romantic music. Obviously, you've mentioned the jazz and, and you know. Correct. It was, it was just beautiful romantic music that he's most known for. That's correct. And in fact, in the 50s, because in the aftermath of his affair and marriage and break uh, uh, breakup with uh, Ava Gartner, his songs did kind of take on a rather melancholy hue, mm-hmm. uh, which was expected. But then, you know, he was the master of expression. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how he did. So here we're in the late 50s where he records uh, uh, one of the first few concept albums um uh, which was called some come fly with me mm-hmm. um which is a very nice yes, uh, photo of him with an aircraft in the background mm-hmm. in 1958 this is just the dawn of jet travel this boeing 707 had started flying and uh, so this album was meant to be uh, a, uh, a quick world tour he didn't do the any songs. advertising on that one, did he? I seem to recall uh, that song, the Come Fly With Me, just suddenly, you know, rung some bells there. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And uh, so he, uh, um, and there were several so, so, songs with references to Chicago, to Paris, uh-huh. and to other, other. and then he also did The Road to Mandalay, which was uh, Rudyard Kipling's poem. Mm-hmm which uh, for some reason was not there on the British release of that LP because of some objections that the Brits had because the Kipling's family apparently said that he hadn't done justice. The tune did not do justice to the poem. So I suppose he did not want to rub them up the wrong way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so how how is he remembered now in terms of, you know, I, I'm sure people are, uh, you know, his music will just be there all the time, won't it? Right, yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's uh, again, he's one of those artists that a student of music studies. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's ironic, huh? a student of music studies, uh, an artist who has never been trained in music. Well, that's just talent, I, isn't it? It's amazing. Uh, absolutely. And his, and the, and the expression, his timing, his phrasing, uh, and we shall see that in the uh, last song that I have chosen for the day, um, uh, where his interpretation of this timeless 
Beatles classic is so different and so refreshing. But I'll come to that a little later. Um, he then, um, uh, during the 60s and the 70s, he uh, during the 60s until the early 70s, he had a string of releases and um, uh, uh, had good years. Um, and in 71, he re- announces his retirement, but that only lasts for two years and then he comes <laughs> back again. <laughs> And through all of this, he collaborated with many greats, including uh, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan, and uh, for many years with John Denver. Oh, okay. Yes. And um, and he came back into the studio in 1980 to record a triple album, um, and where uh, which is where you heard the song New York, New York. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and finally, you know, health reasons and your voice is never what it used to be. Um, he gradually kind of uh, cut down on his touring and uh, that's uh, that's uh, uh, and he passed away in uh, 1995 mm. um, yeah it's not, and, not, uh, not long ago really I mean like how old was he when he passed away uh, sorry he passed away in 1996 oh, 80, no. 82 okay so he was a good good age i mean you know he and yeah. and was he working you said he retired he retired for one then came back to it was he working quite close to the time you know was he working till the end or you know when did he actually officially retire? his last performance uh, was about a year before he retired it was a private concert Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that was his last public appearance. Mm. And Joan, what is your favourite? If you know, what is your favourite track from Frank Sinatra? One that holds uh, great memories for you, apart from the New York that you've just mentioned. That you know, mm. that was one of the tracks. Any other one that you particularly, because you know, you understand music, and any one that you particularly find very impressive. Well, this is the this is the reason why I've chosen the next one. Mm-hmm. It's the George Harrison classic something mm-hmm. and uh, uh Sinatra termed it one of the best love songs ever written and you know as a beatles fan i am very wary of uh, listening to a beatles song somebody sung by somebody else but mm-hmm. sinatra's interpretation is really something to listen to mm-hmm. and it has got classical shades to it uh, it's got a lovely arrangement and his phrasing his timing and his interpretation is just out of this world and that's why i have chosen this to be the concluding track for today's show thank you jang that's uh, it's been so nice i i just enjoy it. i want to play more of frank sinatra on the program um jang thank you very much for your time today um just a, a little one thing just about you know frank sinatra that you liked mostly what was it is was it his voice was it just you know just the way he sang what exactly was it that you liked the most his expression and the way that he handled words mm-hmm. his uh the way that he musified lyrics oh well well i think that's a good place to end but um we're going to play frank it's called frank something isn't it what's the track that we're playing it's called something all right it's something Okay, well, here it is. And um, very, you know, good thanks to Jiang for this. And we will be back next week with JJ's Music Box. Jiang, I look forward to seeing you then. And we'll end Likewise. with Frank Sinatra. Thank you. Here he is.